They had white robes. That was startling to start with. They had caps on their head that looked like flowers that had opened. And they wore belts around these white robes, pure white robes, that were colored blue, purple, and red. Very striking. They left their tents each day way back when, when Israel was camped in the wilderness, and they walked to the worship center, what they called the tabernacle in the center of the camp of Israel. There they performed multiple duties as part of their service to the Lord. They were Old Testament Jewish priests. Now, we don't read about them too much, but they were very active in their service for the Lord. So let's segue to the scripture that we heard this morning. Peter, one of the disciples, is writing about a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, What does this mean, and how does it link to what went on in the past? The apostle is saying that a believer in Jesus Christ is part of a team of priests serving God like Israel's priests back in the Old Testament, in the old days. Warren Wiersbe writes, We are a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood. This means that our lives should be lived as though we were priests in a temple. As God's priests today, we must work together at the direction of our great high priest. Each ministry that we perform for his his glory is a service to God. Pretty cool. This morning, we're going to look at some of the duties of the Old Testament priests. Why? so we can discover what we're supposed to do as a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood and bring it right back down to you and me here at Community Bible Church. Well, what did they do? Remember, this was a mobile worship center. You could tear it down, set it back up. There were all sorts of cloth and and bearskins and other things To look at it from the outside, you didn't even know what it was, but a lot of things were going on, and God's very presence was right there in that tabernacle. The first thing the Old Testament priests had to do was care for that tabernacle, care for the physical structure. The priests were responsible for what was called the sanctuary, as well as the bronze altar that sat outside this dual building Uh, that sat on the property. And as a matter of fact, God said, the caring for my tabernacle is my gift to you, priests. Listen to Numbers 18, 5 and 7. You are to be responsible for the care of the sanctuary, speaking to the priests, but only you and your sons may serve as priests in connection with everything at the altar and inside the curtain. I am giving you the service of the priesthood as a gift. Commentator Barnes writes, The Lord instructs here the priest that the office which they fill and the help which they enjoy are gifts from him and are to be viewed as such. The first thing you notice is caring for the physical property, which is what they did, was part of God's gift to them. So what about you and me? 
we are priests. So the first thing we should keep in mind is we should care for the physical property of our local church as if it was our home. Why do I say that? Well, there's an interesting verse in Philemon, one chapter, Philemon. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Pretty cool. Pretty much like today in some places. We are responsible as priests to care for this physical property as if it was our home. But they did something else too. The Old Testament priests offered sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. An altar, wood on the altar, a sacrifice slain, and then that sacrifice, for instance, a lamb placed on that altar and burned and given up to God. The priest was to use the blood from the person's sacrifice to both mark the altar and pour out the blood before it. Well, I'm not a fan of seeing blood, especially my own. Uh, I sort of back off when I hear that. And yet, God says, the blood is very important. Very important. Atonement in this way would make for the forgiveness of that person's sin, man or woman. Leviticus 4, 32 and 34 says, If he brings a lamb... As his sin offering, he is to bring a female without defect. He is to lay his hand on its head and slaughter it for a sin offering at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Why? Why? Why did the animal have to die? What did sin have to do with the death of the animal? The Bible dictionary says, in their function of offering sacrifices at the altar, the priests acted as mediators between God, between man and God, offering sacrifices so that sin might be forgiven. Each sacrifice was a demonstration that the penalty of sin is death. The animal died. And that there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So whether I like blood or not, it's critical in the sacrifice. And of course, we think of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died. He shed his blood on the cross. Why? Sin requires death. He took our place and died on the cross for us. So you and I are priests, right? Okay. We are to be mediators. We are to encourage all believers to confess their daily sins to the Lord. What do I mean by daily sins? We, as Christians, as Christians, displease the Lord and we sin. If we sin, we can confess that sin and the Lord will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The priest, you and me, are responsible to be mediators and encourage others to confess their sin. Another thing that the priest has to do, listen to Hebrews 5.1. Every priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer sacrifices to sin. For sins, sorry. 
We as priests have that additional responsibility. We need to confess the sins we commit from time to time. We need to encourage other members, other priests, to do the same thing. But these guys were busy. They had something else to do. They had to do with bread. The people of Israel baked and provided 12 loaves of bread each Sabbath. They delivered them up to the priests, 12. Each loaf represented one of the families or tribes of Israel. And those loaves were placed upon a table of gold inside that tabernacle, and they put them in two rows, six apiece. Moses speaking, Leviticus 24. Take the finest flour and bake 12 loaves of bread using two-tenths of an ephah for each loaf. Arrange them in two stacks, six in each stack, and on the table of pure gold before the Lord. By each stack, put some pure incense as a memorial portion to represent the bread and to be a food offering presented to the Lord. This bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of the Israelites. As a lasting covenant, it belongs to Aaron and his sons who are to eat it in the sanctuary area because it is a most holy part of their perpetual share of the food offerings presented to the Lord. What does that have to do with priests and what they do? They arrange the bread. They put it there. They put it in a very special place in the presence of God in this tabernacle. One commentator writes, only the priests, the tribe of Levi, were allowed in the holy place. But the other tribes were represented there by the 12 loaves on the table. The table was called the table of showbread, and the loaves were called showbread, which can be translated bread of presence, bread in the presence of God. God was present with his people, and they were in his presence in the tabernacle. Pretty neat. You and I are to carry the people of CBC in our hearts and remember them in our prayers. Well, I'm not big in praying. You know, I do give thanks for my food, but I don't really do. No, you're a priest. God calls you to be a prayer warrior as well. To remember these people before the Lord all of the people whose faces you see on a regular basis. Paul writes to the Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Every time I remember you. So besides the bread, they also had to light and trim lamps in the sanctuary. Busy guys. The people provided clear oil of pressed olives for God's tabernacle. It was the priest's job to use the oil to keep the lamps burning in the room in the tabernacle called the holy place. The lamps were to burn from evening to morning. This task was to last from generation to generation. Moses writing in Exodus 27, in the tent of meeting outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning, 
before the Lord from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for the generations to come. Oil and the continual frame, flame rather, is emblematical of the unction and influences of the Holy Spirit. When you read the New Testament, sometimes there's a mention of oil or flame, and it indicates the Holy Spirit. So you and I as priests are to model our full dependence upon the power of the Holy Spirit. They did, we, not, we must. Paul to the Ephesians, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, the Lord, may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You and I as priests are to model our full dependence upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Another job, another service that you perform as a priest, a holy priest, a royal priest. More to do. The Old Testament priests always kept the sacred fire burning on the altar. You mean the altar where they did the sacrifices? Yes. Well, sure, the flame would have to work when the animal was placed on the altar. No, no, no. It's then, but also all the time. The flame was always going. Much like we see today when we want to remember someone in the military or otherwise, there's an eternal flame, as they call it. In the, in the two-room building of the tabernacle, firewood was supplied by the people. The priests didn't have to cut it. They were responsible to add firewood to the altar so the sacrifices could be offered. We know that. The fire on the altar was never to be allowed to go out. Moses again. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Why? Why? The priest's duty was to keep the altar fire ever burning, symbolizing Jehovah's never-ceasing worship. Worship is something that has to be kept going all the time. We're very busy doing things. We're not as busy worshiping our God. We do it here when we sing. We may sing in the car. We may praise the Lord as part of our time with him. It should be a continual part of our Christian life as priests. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So they had to keep that sacred fire burning, symbolizing worship. Then they also had to burn fragrant incense. There was mention of that this morning. Every morning they had to do it, and every evening. They would light the lamps at that time, but also offer more incense. The incense had to be burned regularly before the Lord. 
Aaron must burn fragrant incense, Moses says again, on the altar every morning when he tends the lamp. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. Well, the place, the place will probably smell pretty good. But that's not the issue. In the Bible, burning incense is often a picture of prayer. Let, me, let my prayer be set before thee as incense, David prayed. Whenever the priest burned the incense, it was a call for the people for a time of prayer. You guessed it. That's our job too as priests today. We must be people, priests of prayer. Again, Paul to the Ephesians. And I pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Do we pray for all the saints? Well, I pray for my friends. If I hear something, I'll pray about it. This seems a little more disciplined. This is the Lord having us take the directory and start praying for these people. And if you don't know them, find out about them and pray for them. Pray in the spirit on all occasions, Paul says, with all kinds of prayers and requests. It's okay. That's what we should do. Just a few more. The Old Testament priests studied and taught the word of God to the people. Malachi 2.7 says, For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. A commentator said, The priest taught the people the truths of the law in all its fullness, as Moses by inspiration had declared was to be the office of the Levites. Now, wait a minute. I didn't go to seminary. I don't know that much about the Bible. I read our daily bread, well, a couple times a week. Um, I listen when people talk at church. But study the Bible? Teach someone else? Are you kidding? No, the Lord isn't kidding. It is our responsibility as modern-day priests to study the word and to share it. I use the word share because maybe you're not going to stand in front of a group. Maybe you're just going to be able to share a word of uh, scripture with someone to encourage or bless them sometime during the day. You and I as priests must study the Bible ourselves and then teach what we've learned to other believers. Study the scriptures. That's the message. Paul to the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. I didn't make it up to fit the story. That's what Paul says. That's what our responsibility is, young, old, and in between. The Old Testament priests assisted with people's thanksgiving offerings. This is interesting. When the first of the barley harvest came in, the people would take it to the priests. The first sheaf of the grain. And the priest would hold up that sheaf of barley and wave it before the people and the Lord in thanksgiving. Almost like we do with our hands sometimes. In thanksgiving, 
Leviticus 23.10 says, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land, I'm going to give you your, and you give to you and you reap its harvest. Bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord, so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. This refers to the practice of waving a portion of the offering before Yahweh to symbolize offering it to him. This was called the wave offering. The first thing you got, the first paycheck in your new job, you take a portion and you bring it to the Lord. Why? I worked for it. Yeah. But God gave you the opportunity, the skill, the strength to do the job to get paid. You and I as priests are to encourage the giving of offerings to the Lord to thank him for his provision. That's our thank you. You'll never be enough, but that's our thank you. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, he adds this, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. That's important. You're giving back to the Lord for that week. Excel in the grace of giving. The Old Testament priest also blessed the people. This is really interesting. You've heard this phrase before. Number six, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his son, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. The priests had a job of blessing the people. To use the Lord's words to bless them. Have you ever sent someone an email or a text with a scripture in it? Using the Lord's words to bless them, to encourage them, to strengthen them. It's the act of passing on God's word. And I like what this, this study Bible says, the New King James Study Bible. God intended to place his name on the people. They would bear the benediction of his name as a spiritual brand a mark of identification in that they were a people peculiarly related to God himself. The scripture you use, the blessing you use, is a way of saying, hey, God loves you. You are one of his own. Don't worry. The last point has to do with music. The Old Testament priests blew their trumpets when the people faced enemies and during times of rejoicing. See, the priests blew their trumpets when the people went into battle. The priests did it. Whether they were musicians or not, I guess some of them were. They also blew the trumpets when the people rejoiced at different festivals, after burned and fellowship offerings, new during feasts and new moon festivals. The sons of Aaron, the priests, are to blow the trumpets. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you in the generation to come. This is not a one-off. This is to be there with that kind of encouragement in music. 
when you go into battle in your own land against the enemy who is oppressing you, sound a blast on the trumpets. Then you will be remembered by the Lord and your God and rescued from your enemies. Music has a tremendous power. Also at the times of rejoicing, your appointed feasts and new moon festivals, you are to sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, and they will be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. So at that time, again, it's a pointing to God. It's a God is part of my life, part of my rejoicing. You and I as priests should use music and song to point believers to the Lord in good times and bad times. Unfortunately, we have a little bit of both. Many of you know this verse, Ephesians 5.19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You're doing it for each other and for the Lord. A lot of things the priests did, and there were more. They managed people, they focused on purity, they made court decisions, they showed discernment in different situations. They were busy people. Let me leave you with two challenges before we pray. First of all, for those of you who know the Lord, consider this. Our service for the Lord at CBC is not the responsibility only of our pastor, the elders, the members of the MST, and other leaders here. It isn't. We will not survive if we're all not involved. Each believer here is part of the priesthood of all believers. We are what Peter calls a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. One of CBC's core values is everyone involved. When we first came to this church, that's what we noticed. People were doing everything. And it was a beautiful thing. I'm not trying to be unsacred in saying this, but we are team priesthood. We are team priesthood. The Old Testament Jewish priests did a lot of things. We can follow their lead. The Lord calls your priesthood, for you and me, a gift from God, and he asks you to serve him as priests of the, like the Old Testament priests. So the first challenge is to each of us, to me, to you. Will we commit ourselves to serving the Lord as team priesthood? And the other part of the challenge has to do with someone who's saying, listen, I, I hear what you're saying about priesthood, interesting, I, I liked it, and so forth, but I'm still reaching out for God. I, I, I haven't gotten there yet. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Some important information. We cannot make ourselves acceptable to God through our own effort. We cannot A pastor gave the illustration. He lives in California. And some of you may know that Catalina Island is off the coast, 28 miles. And he said if you got the best jumpers in the world, 
You had them run as far back as they could and then head for the beach. Not one of them would make it to Catalina Island. Not one. Even the best. His point is, no amount of personal effort will get you accepted by the Lord. Some people work awfully hard. Some people get involved in a lot of religious ritual. Some figure that I'm here in the church. That must give me some brownie points with God. Here's a scary verse. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man or woman, but in the end, it leads to death. We frequently will watch horror movies or science fiction movies and you see the poor innocent person making the wrong decision and you could practically yell at the screen, don't go that way. There is a way that seems right to a man or woman, but in the end it leads to death. I don't want you to be a person who says one day, how could I have been so wrong? Missing the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, the Lord Jesus speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he becomes non-politically correct because he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I want to be as broad-minded as the next person. But with Christ, there is only one way. The Jesus that said this accomplished everything for you when he died on that cross. Salvation is a gift. There are no admission requirements. When we pray, I want you to think seriously. If you're one of those who are still trying to grapple with this and trying to get God to accept you, it's already done. Receive it as a gift, no admission requirements. And you'll find that the beautiful part is he'll welcome you home, welcome you there. So the two challenges. We are priests. Let's accept that. Coming into uh, the United States Army so many, many years ago, I found out that my life was not my own anymore. They made me get up early. They made me sleep with a whole bunch of guys that snored. They made me go on mile after mile in hiking, carrying heavy packs. They sent me where I didn't want to go. But there was a reason for it, and it was good service. The Lord doesn't treat you like that, but he'll ask you to do different things. Start with obeying what kind of services and responsibilities you could take as priests. And if you're searching, again, don't make the mistake. God himself says, behold, now is the accepted time. Today, now. Let's close this portion of the service in prayer. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your reality, for who you are, for what is said in your word about you, for faithful people who've taught us, 
for faithful people who have invited us to come as we are, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who did it all for us, the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we pray for any here that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. They can't remember a time, or they're still trying to jump to Catalina, and they're not making it. Father, may they accept Jesus Christ's provision, and may they find Christ in salvation today. And Father, for those of us, we're oftentimes too busy, too busy with things we have to do or that we want to do that we don't do enough for you. May we be people who worship and people who pray and people who depend on the Holy Spirit and people who bless others and care for the things here in the building. Lord, we love you. Help us to grow and be team priesthood here at CBC. We thank you for your blessings upon us. Continue to lead us in our service in Jesus' name.